Thanks for listening to the Northridge Christian Podcast. At Northridge, we exist to help people move closer to Christ. We believe that following Jesus is a journey, and we want to help you through that journey any way we can. We pray that you grow in your walk with God through this message today. So prepare your heart and mind for this teaching by our lead pastor, Mike Wares. Amen, amen, and amen. Hey, uh, you gotta, 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 gotta love our great God, and we're so excited about that today. Uh, we're gonna, we're gonna jump in this morning. I want to tell you what's coming next week. You wrote some questions back in April. It was our series, our series called "You Ask for It," and so I want you to know that that's coming next week. The first question is this: Is is my salvation secure if I don't want to repent for my sins? And boy, that, that's going to be a tough question that we tackle right away next week. So I want you to know about that. Some of you all have been asking me questions. This, this is the question I'll get. Mike, what's going on with staff that we're seeing so much turnover? So I just kind of want to take a minute and explain to you exactly what's going on. In case you don't know, in churches our size, with staff our size, the, the, the turnover rate per year is 1.8, okay? I'm the 0.8 on staff, okay? So, so you know that. It's 1.8 to 2, Okay, and we've been nowhere near that, and we're not trying to catch up. And so this is just kind of a natural part of that. But I want you to understand why it's natural so you can see that. What we do as church staff is sometimes, I would say, seasonal because it's so very hard. People do it, and then they need to pull back for a while because it can be very hard. You don't know this, but our staff is constantly recruiting, okay? They're constantly constantly looking for people to come and do things. And they, they've asked some of y'all, and this is what they typically hear more than yes, no. And that can be a little bit disappointing because we believe, okay, I'm just going to tell you, we believe that everything depends upon what we do as a church, that people will die and go to hell that if we don't do. So when they're asking you, they're asking you to join them in helping people come to know Jesus, which is the greatest job of all. But it's also hard, uh, and you know, and as we think about it and, and as we look at it, it's also hard because there's some disappointment. It's called Saturday night and Sunday morning, phone calls. Staff gets uh, phone calls and they say, you know what, I'm not going to make it tomorrow because something else is more important. Okay, and, and that means that uh, our, our, our children's staff, our youth staff is running around like crazy trying to f- put people in positions so that we can do what needs to be done. And I will tell you, that is hard. The other disappointment that we deal with often is we invest in people, we love people, and, and as we do that, what happens is they turn around and they just walk out and we don't have any clue why. And so, so, you know, understand that the job is hard and sometimes you need to pull back. And so it, it's a season. But, but I want to give you another idea about it is it's a crazy schedule. You may not know this, but there are some people that arrive at 530 on Sunday morning so that we can do what needs to be done to be ready for you all to be here. And so that, that's a part of the crazy schedule. Everybody usually likes to enjoy a long weekend, Okay. Memorial Day, Labor Day. You know what? For our church staff, we don't have long weekends because we go to work right in the middle on Sunday. And, and, and you may not understand this. You can string nine days together at, at, when you want to have a, a long week. And so you can go from Friday till the next Sunday night. For church staff, that's only six days that they get to put together. 
So, so it's, a, it, it's a crazy schedule, and, and sometimes it gets really hard. And so, and, and so uh, it, it can be, sometimes be hard on us. And, and the other part of this is, I'm not going to lie to you, and I'm not going to tell you that in church staffs, sometimes there are disagreements, sometimes there are conflicts, uh, sometimes there are, 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 are people who think it should be done a different way. So, so there's that also. So in the midst of the turnover with staff, uh, you know, the, the one thing I would tell you that we're also doing is we're lifting up the hood and we're checking the tires to see what needs to be done. But this is one thing I would ask for you to do. It's not to read more into it than is there. Uh, I, I get these calls, well, you know, Mike, are you beating the staff too much? And that's a dumb question. There's not a good answer to it, okay? Are you working them too hard? Uh, I, I hope not, but it could be. But, but don't read anything else into it. And if you have a question about somebody that's stepping away, and, and two of our folks that are stepping away are staying right here, go and talk to them. But don't read anything into it that's not there. Second thing I would say is pray. Uh, we're looking for a new staff. And can I tell you what? You, you guys haven't met all that, 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 are, that are coming on board. Uh, I think you already appreciate Kevin. Uh, the, he, you know, amen. Uh, We helped Jonathan, our, our new college pastor, move in yesterday, and I, I'm so excited by, by him and Becca that they'll be joining us. And, and uh, Megan McBrayer is joining us. She's, she's local, grown, and with our children's ministry. And, and so the, these youngsters, but I got to tell you, I'm feeling old, okay? And you guys that keep on sitting here, you hear the footsteps coming up behind you? Yes, I do, okay? And that's the way it's designed, okay? Uh, so as, as we get ready to go into God's Word, let, let me pray, okay? Father, we, uh, we come to you. You are the high king of heaven, and there is none like you. In fact, Father, you are second to none. And Father, as we think about change that happens, I pray that you will bring a comfort and peace into our lives. And Father, we will know that you saw all this coming and that you are working uh, in, in our lives. And uh, so, Father, I, I, I just ask that you just calm us and let us, uh, and let us know that you are in charge. Father, we're going to look in your word right now. Boy, it's so powerful, and uh, I pray that it will go to our hearts. Holy Spirit, I invite you into this room uh, right now. I invite you in to, 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 to work in our hearts and our minds to convict and to comfort uh, that, that, we might, uh, that, that we might know who you are and allow the, the fruit to be uh, growing in us. For I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, we're in the book of Jonah, and we've been there for the, the month of June, and, and I want you to understand, Jonah was a prophet of God, okay? And, and uh, he writes this little book, and my Bible is two pages long. They face each other, and if they get stuck together, I ain't finding it, okay? It just ain't going to happen. And, and so it, it's one of those books that we often say, well, that's a great children's story, but no, there's a lesson there for adults. And so as we jump in today, I want to kind of recap where we've been. Jonah was a prophet for God, and, and, and God said to him, I want you to go to Nineveh and speak to them. And Jonah didn't want to do it. He didn't like the Ninevites. So what does he do? He gets on a boat to go to Tarshish. And, and, and God now is not pleased with him, but he doesn't want to punish him. He doesn't want to pay him back, but he wants to bring him back. So God provides a storm. And the sailors on the boat finally realize something's going on, and they ask around, and it comes to Jonah, and Jonah admits it, and they throw him over, okay? And, uh, and so God provided the storm, and then it said God also provided a large fish that swallowed him up. 
Okay, now that's a, that's, that's a little scary. And after being in the fish for three days and three nights, it wouldn't have taken me nearly that long, but it took, took him that long. Three days and three nights, can I tell you what? He finally came to his senses, and then the fish threw him up, and uh, he, he was vomit. Okay, that's a pleasant thought, isn't it? And God gave him a second chance. And what did, uh, what did Jonah do? He went to Nineveh, and he preached. It was only an eight-word sermon, okay? And it was basically, if you don't get this right, you're going to have destruction come all over you. And, and so, and, and the, the neatest thing about it is, is that we're going to pick it up and we're going to see there. But I want to point out one thing to you. When Jonah obeyed, people were saved. Okay? Hold on to that. We're going to come back to it. We're going to jump in in chapter 3 of Jonah and verse 10. Chapter 3 of Jonah and verse 10. I want you to see what happened. When God saw what they did, and this is the, these are the Ninevites, they, how they turned from all their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. Amen. I, I like that, okay? And there should have been a party at that point. There should have been an excitement on Jonah's part. But I want you to see how Jonah reacts. But Jonah, but to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. And he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to, to, to Tarshish. I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. Can we say bad attitude? He had a pretty bad attitude, didn't he? And the Lord said, but the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? And then Jonah had gone out and sat down in a place east of the city. There he made a shelter and sat in its shade, shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. Let me show you what he did. He got his lawn chair out. He got up on a hill, and he's looking out over Nineveh, okay? So he's got the chair there. He's got it out. He's got a little bit of shelter because it's hot there in the Middle East. And, and, and he's got things going. Now, this is basically what he's doing. He's sitting up there. I might just preach from here. This ain't too bad, okay? And he's sitting there overlooking Nineveh, and this is what he's waiting for. He's saying, God, go ahead and bring it. God, send some fire. Send a flood. Open a can. I don't care what you do, God. Just get rid of those people. He's not happy about what God has done. Okay, you, you, you get the picture there. It's a pretty hard-hearted place. He, he, he's saying, God, yeah, they've turned, but go ahead and punish them anyhow, because I don't like them. Now, I want to keep on reading here, because it says that the, the Lord God provided, okay? You, you remember he provided a storm, he provided a fish. The Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give him shade to his head and to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about, about the plant. So he's sitting there and this, this tree grows up over him. Pretty nice, isn't it? That's pretty fast. And he says, but at dawn the next day, he's there all night long, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. Wow. And when the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die. 
And he said, it would be better for me to die than to live. Can we say bad attitude here? Bad attitude? Can you say that? Yeah. But Jonah, but God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Jonah says, it is. He does have a bad attitude. And I'm so angry. I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals? What he's talking about there is they can't tell their right hand from the left. That's small children. That's small children that wouldn't know uh, the right from wrong. And what he's saying here is should I punish those that don't even know that? What God, uh, what God does there is he asks a very hard question at the end. This is uh, two books end with the question, and, and, and this is one of them. Now, you remember back in Job, there's this guy named Job, and God asked him a question. And this is, what, this is the translation of what, Jonah, uh, what Job said uh, when, when, God, when God asked him the question. He says, well, shut my mouth. And that's actually what Jonah did. He stopped writing there. There isn't an answer here. So what I want to do today is I, I want you to understand uh, some things about this. And, and, and when he asks that question, he says, shut my mouth. The lesson that, that, that God is trying to get across to, to Jonah is one that every one of us needs to hear. And it's the sermon in the sentence. And, and it is this, God would rather forgive than judge. And he expects the same from us. God would rather forgive than judge, and he expects the same from us. Would you read that with me? God would rather forgive than judge, and he expects the same thing from us. Can I tell you what Jonah knew? He knew God. He knew God. He was a prophet. He had probably had a long relationship with him. And so he knew exactly what God was thinking and what God was going to do. And he even said that, I knew what you were going to do. And he didn't like it. You have been, if you've been married for any length of time, you, you know what your wife is going to say or what your husband is going to say. Kathy and I were walking. We've been married almost 43 years. And Kathy and I were walking the other night. We saw something. And at the same time, we turned to each other and we said, that's weird. We just knew that, okay? Let me tell you what happened last Sunday. Uh, one of the youngsters, Adam, was preaching, okay? I don't know if you remember this or not, uh, but, uh, you know, sometimes the youngsters have uh, some serious issues. And, 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 and Adam says, turn to the person next to you and tell them they need to lose some weight. Yeah. Anybody remember that? Okay. So Kathy looks at me. I look at her, and at the same time we said, I don't think he should have said that. And you know what? He's repented of that. He had 78 counseling sessions this week, uh, husbands and wives. It wasn't pretty. But that's how it is, isn't it? When you know somebody, you know exactly how they're going to respond. And, and, and Jonah knows how God's going to respond. And so as we, we learn this lesson today, as we learn this lesson uh, that, that God would rather forgive than judge, and as we, we realize that that's what he wants from us, there's some things we need to know. The first thing is this. We need to know the kind of God that God is. We need to know the kind of God that God is. And, and, and I want you to get this. There's a lot of people in our world that have a picture of God as an angry old man, 
okay? He's looking for a way to punish us. And when you read this story, you realize that the one thing he doesn't want to do is punish, and he's looking for a way to forgive, not judge. We have a picture of God waiting for for us to step on the wrong place. Like that, I had an angry old guy in the neighborhood I lived in, and he lived on the corner, and if you walked in his yard, he would come out on the front porch and yell at you and sometimes throw things at you. That's a picture of God that we have. Now, now, now today, I, I want you to see a different picture. And, and, and Jonah even understood that, but he wanted the angry God. But I want you to go back to, in my, in, and just look at this guy named Daniel in the Old Testament. Daniel was a part of God's people, and God's people were being punished by the, the, the people of Babylon. In fact, let me tell you where, where Daniel is at this point. He, he is a slave. He has been captive and moved to Babylon, and they tried to make him a Babylonian. And they've worked on this, and they've worked on this. And in Daniel 9, what we're going to see is his prayer. Now, what do you think somebody that found themselves a slave, that had found themselves in captivity, might think about the God that put him there? Well, I want you to hear what Daniel thinks about God. This is from Daniel, the ninth chapter. And it's from the prayer that, that Daniel prays to God. In verse 4, he says, Lord, the great and awesome God, would you think about somebody that is punishing you that way? who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Verse 7, Lord, you are righteous. Lord, you're right in doing this is what he's saying. Verse 9, the Lord our God is merciful and forgiving. Wow. How can he say that when they're in in that place? And then in verse 14, uh, the Lord is righteous in everything he does. Verse 15, Lord our God who brought your people out of Egypt with a mighty hand, who made for yourself a name that endures to this day. And then verse 18, we do not make requests of you because, because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. You would think Daniel would have a different view of God, but this is what he knows, and this is what every single one of us need to know, is that when the punishment comes, it's because God loves us. And he's trying to move us back to him. I got a lot of whippings growing up. And I can remember my dad telling me, I'm doing this because I love you. (laughs) And this is going to hurt you. It's going to hurt me. (laughs) It did hurt me more than it hurt him. But he'd always say, this hurts me more than it hurts you because I have to do this. That's our God, though. He loves us and he chastises us but he doesn't want to. Second thing I want you to see in understanding who God is is the kind of people that God invites. I'm not going to go into, into this very deeply here, but you know, every time I talk about God invites everybody, the cards and calls come in because there's that group of people that we don't necessarily think that God could love and invite. But when I read scriptures, I see some things that are just incredible. I read about this guy. He was an adulterer and a murderer, and God used him. In fact, he said he was a man after his own heart. Or or there was Abraham. That was David. There was Abraham who was faithless and a liar, and God used him. Uh, There was was Samson who was a womanizer and a show-off. And God used him. There was Peter, a loud mouth and arrogant. There was Paul, who, who put Christians to death and, and, and persecuted uh, the church. And God used him. God can use anybody. 
Some of y'all know I was in Los Angeles a couple of weeks ago. I went out there to see what God was doing in the inner city of Los Angeles. I went to a place called Watts, okay? You may have heard about that on the news. It is, it is a place where the gangs control it. So we were going to, to visit in a church in Watts and, uh, and hear what God was doing there. And the most interesting thing happened, I saw a guy. He had on one of those hats that was obvious he was a gangbanger, okay? I could tell just by the hat. But then the shirt, he was all dressed in all black. I couldn't see what was on the shirt, but I was fairly certain that it wasn't good. And, and on top of that, it was, the, uh, it, it was the tattoos that were all up and down his arm. And, and he had that swagger. Like he's ready to kill somebody. Kind of like that gun guy, you know, getting ready to draw his guy. I, I, he made me nervous. We're looking for a parking place. And I'm thinking, okay, I just want to get in that church building. I don't want to die in L.A., okay? And I just didn't want that to happen. So, so we get out. We get in safely. And then the strangest thing happened. I get inside, and he's inside, okay? He came inside to kill me, okay? And I was very nervous by this. And then the next thing that happens, they introduce him as the pastor of the church there. Sometimes uh, I don't read things. But I was right about one thing. He was a gangbanger. Uh, he had spent seven years in prison for killing a man. Came to know Jesus there. And, and, and then he came out. God was transforming him and working in his life. And now he's leading a church and took it from zero to 125. And most of them had come out of the gangs. Can I tell you, we have a great God. Amen. That's the kind of people God invites. So don't ever look at anybody and say they couldn't be a part of the church. So that's the first thing. We've got to understand who God is. And when we understand that He is a God that forgives and He doesn't want to judge and He wants to take us and reclaim us. But, but there's something that happens that it's a dangerous attitude that you and I can get. The dangerous attitude is I hope they get what they deserve. That's Jonah sitting in the chair looking over Nineveh. Bring it, Lord. They deserve it. Let's think about that for a minute. Jonah, did you forget the grace that God showed you? Did you forget the grace that God showed you? Did you forget the, the, the forgiveness? Did you forget the way he took you from nothing and made you his prophet? Jonah... Now, now, there's this guy named David. I've already mentioned him. He was an adulterer and a murderer. We're going to see what he said in, in Psalm 103, in, in verse 8. He says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. I want you to get this right here. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. Will you read that last part that's in yellow with me? He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. Wow. David understood that. He, he was an adulterer and a murderer. And God used him in a great way. Now, I just wanted to have a quick Bible lesson from Romans. Romans 3.23 tells us all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of the God. That all means all of us. Every single one of us us. And then in Romans 6 and verse 23, it says the wages of sin is death. Okay? 
So when I think about that, I'm just so thankful that he, God, does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. I want us to go to Matthew in, 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 in chapter 6 and, and hear what Jesus has to say about this. He says, forgive and you will be forgiven. Jonah might have had a problem there. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. And for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Did you get that? The measure that we use. Would you read that with me? Depart in yellow. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So you begin to think about the forgiveness. And you remember what Jesus said in the, in the Lord's Prayer. Uh, forgive those who uh, uh, forgive our debtors and we'll be forgiven in the same way. So if you want to begin giving out grace, you don't want to give it out in the communion cup size, okay? I'm just telling you that. And then the coffee cup size, I think you probably are going to want to supersize it. Because the size that you pour into somebody else's life is how it's going to be poured into you. In fact, I'm going for the bucket size. And I do need to get a bigger bucket, okay? Because that's how I want it poured out into me. And so we never say, I hope somebody gets what they deserve. Because we're not getting what we deserve. I hope they get the grace. And I hope they pour it out and get it poured into their life in a huge way. Because God, God doesn't want to judge, he wants to forgive. One more thing I want you to see, and this is, this is, a, this is just there, and, and, it, and it's incredible. If it's all about us, we will have a miserable life. Wow. I, I look at Jonah, and he was absolutely miserable. He didn't want to do what God wanted him to do, okay? He didn't want to do that, and he was miserable. And if you've ever been on a boat in a storm, that can be miserable. And when you cause other people to lose, because all those sailors lost the cargo that was on the boat, that's miserable. In fact, as I was writing this, I was going to say, probably one of the most miserable things that can happen to you is when you cause pain to other people. And then I went on in the story and said, no, probably the most miserable thing that can happen to you is when you end up in the belly of a fish for three days and three nights. But on top of that, he's miserable because he has to go to a people and he can't show the love and mercy of Jesus. Boy, you see, when it's all about us, we're going to be miserable. Uh, there, there's this word, it's new in the, in the English language. In fact, it was put into the, into the uh, dictionaries in 2013. It's selfie. You know what a selfie is, don't you? It's where you take your, your phone and you take a picture of yourself. And usually it's with something in the background, like your new car, okay? Usually it's somebody else's new car, but you want people to think you have it, okay? Or, or, or that vacation that would make everybody envy. And it's really, I would call it selfie selfishness. And that's what makes people so very miserable. You know, we're seeing mental illness at an all-time high, and I think it is right there with that idea of selfishness. It is right there. The selfishness rise, the, the mental illness is going to rise. We're, we're watching today as depression and sadness seems to be growing, and I think it's directly proportionate. We see it in Jonah's life because of a selfishness. There is a cure for selfishness. It's called serving. It could be serving on one side or the other in this building or, or serving with the young people. Uh, or, or it could be called a, a mission trip. And, you know, psychiatrists and psychologists will tell us that one of the cures, one of the cures for depression is simply to serve. 
to, to, to go out and help others and realize, guess what? There are people that have it a lot worse than you do. I could take you to the hospital this afternoon with me, and you would see a lot of that. It's that. If I was a doctor and I was giving a prescription uh, for people that, that maybe were in depression or are just plain out selfish, this is what I would say. Take two mission trips, uh, serve with the kids, and call me after a year if your, your life hadn't been changed. They're not going to call because serving does that. You see, that, that's, that's what Jonah refused to do, and he found himself in a miserable place. So this is the sermon in a sentence, and I just want you to hear this. God... God doesn't want to judge. He wants to forgive, and he wants us to do the same thing. We're going to do that if we understand who he is and who he invites. We're going to do that if we don't look out and say, I hope they get what they deserve, because I don't want what I deserve. And, and, and we will become not miserable when we begin to serve. Uh, the, the, the book of Jonah ended with a question that wasn't answered. I want to end with two questions today. Two questions. The first one is this. Are you more like Jonah or Jesus? Are you more like Jonah or Jesus? Jonah, it was all about him. Jesus, it's all about us. Jonah wanted everybody to be punished, and Jesus wants to forgive. Jonah wanted the punishment, and, and, and Jesus wants to reward now, I, I got to tell you, Thursdays I pray through my message, and I, I'm, I'm praying through my message, and, and I come to this question, and, and God kind of did a little number on me. He said, Mike, you got a little bit too much Jonah in you. And I, I got to tell you, I, I had to ask myself, hey, yeah, you, you like to judge. You, 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 you want to look out. You, you already know that. I told you about being in L.A. And you know what? He's, he's worked in me in that. And so today, and in just a minute, you're going to have a chance just to think about that. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Second question is, who are you taking to heaven with you? Who are you taking to heaven with you? This is what I understand, that if you're not telling anybody about Jesus, you haven't gotten it. I'm just going to tell you, you don't know because if you understand the grace that has been poured out to you, you're going to be ready to pour it out to other people. You know, if you're not sharing Jesus, it hadn't happened. My friend Bob Moorhead says it this way. He says, it can't happen through you until it happens to you. And this is what I know. If you're not telling people about Jesus, you don't have him. And I just want you to get that in your mind. This is what we're going to do. Today's a little different. We're going to have a time of communion right now. So if you're serving communion, you can go ahead and get to your place. And as we're taking communion, I've asked this week for the Holy Spirit to work during this time. The one thing you're reminded of as communion is the great grace of our God. Okay? You're reminded that His blood was shed, His body was broken for you, and that you're not going to get what you deserve. So as you're thinking about that and you're letting that soak in, allow the Spirit to speak to you. He might tell you, you got a little too much Jonah in you. And, uh, and uh, you, you, need to, you need to understand that. Um, and, and he might lay, he might lay on your heart a name of somebody you need to be sharing the grace of God with. You know, can I tell you something there? Somebody say, oh, I don't want to do that. Be obedient. When Jonah was obedient, over a million people were saved.
your obedience can help salvation come to somebody. We're going to sing about God's grace for just a second. And then I'm going to come back and pray. We're going to take communion. And then after communion, we're going to sing a little bit more. And, and there'll be some of us up front. If you need some prayer, we'll be here. The first thing is communion. Meet with your Lord and allow him to speak to you. Let's sing about his grace. Thanks for listening to this message. You can keep up with what's happening at Northridge on your mobile device through our Northridge Christian app. If you have any questions about Northridge, you can contact us at info at